Welcome to Pitchside Perspective Podcast with your hosts Stuart Sharples and Jack Kolazar. Hello everyone and welcome back for another episode of Pitchside Perspective Podcast. Today is a very special episode as we introduce our first guest of the series. Our guest will join us in discussion as we share our perspective on current number nines in the Premier League and whether there's a shortage. So with great pleasure, I would like to introduce to you Andrew Broadbent, but you can call him Broadie. How are you, mate? Very good, Stu. Thanks. Uh, It's a a great honour to be here. And uh, I hope I don't let the listeners down as the uh, first guest on the podcast. Well, we we had to bring our number one fan, the, the one person who is actually subscribed to this podcast on here. So we do appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good episode. Um, Jack, how are you, mate? How's your week gone? Yeah, good week. Um, obviously, lots of soccer happening. International break. I don't like it, but it's happening. Um, it is so a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's just the timing of it too, right? You just feel like the season's getting going and then uh, it's it's hit the break and stop for an international match. I mean, as a United fan, I'm pretty happy we can maybe regroup and get back going. But yeah, no, I uh, four games and then you're back into it again. It's uh, it's a dull period for me. Um, what's the uh, the beer of choice this week? Um, I have got a single cut beer smiths drink. It's called Terry Meets Julie. Oh, it's a, a sour sour ale, raspberry sour ale is pretty good. I do like a sour ale. I want to know who Terry and Julie are, to be fair. Um, I've gone with a Thimble Island Seafoam New England Pale Ale. Um, Bang average. um, Bang average can, bang average beer, but it was the only one I found in the fridge at short notice. Uh, Brody, what's your beer? What we got, Win? I've actually got two. Um, As a guest, I thought I'd bring a little extra. So I've gone with the... uh... Longboard Island Lager from Hawaii, which conjures memories of being on the islands. And uh, I've backed it up with the old faithful um, Guinness. So uh, got a couple of uh, very different selections to uh, savour over the next hour. Love it. Only way to be on this podcast is a double fist. Well done. Um, So, yeah. So in recent episodes, we've spoken about um, potentially a lack of strikers in the Premier League. I know last week, Jack, we spoke about... The transfers going on, obviously it was 24 hours before, um, 24 hours before the podcast. Um, So, yeah, I I looked at who's been signed and whatnot, and there still wasn't that many strikers in there. Um, So we're going to look at maybe our top five of the current Premier League strikers and then also kind of backtrack and look over the the years um, of what's going on. But as our first guest... We're going to enroll and debut the five questions for the guest. So, Jack, you have five questions you're going to ask each guest every pod we have one. Yeah, the five quick fire or not so quick fire questions, because you can take as much or little time as you like to answer these. Um, and we'll ask the same five questions to every one of our spectacular guests that join us on the podcast. So, pretty simple, but it should be interesting. Question number one, name. Andrew Broadbent, uh, nicknamed Brody. Um, that's good. Uh, favorite team? Favorite team is uh, Stevenage Borough, currently in League One. Um, 
<clears throat> and if I may reference the international break, great opportunity for all of you Premier League and Championship diehards to go and watch your local teams in League One and Two this weekend. Who are you uh, playing this weekend? Playing Carlisle United at home. Um, and if we are to win Saturday's game, it will be the best ever start in League One to a newly promoted team. Quality. Well, I was going to say quickly, pod listeners will maybe recognise that uh, a famous Carlisle fan in uh, Steve Jones. Um, have you two had a bet for this game? Well, we have a standing bet, myself and Mr Jones, um, that whoever wins the two games over the course of the league season on aggregate has to uh, has receives a shirt from the loser of the bet. So uh, I believe... Jonesy owes me a shirt currently. Um, he may have welched on it last year when we just pipped him. Well, Jonesy, if you're listening, get your hands in those pockets, sunshine. Yeah, and then either this could be attached to, to your favourite team or not, but your favourite ever sporting memory. So, a little good and bad on this one. Uh, my favourite ever sporting memory has has to be, for me, the Italian 90 World Cup. Um which um, I think England has been good since then and England has been lucky since then. But that was the one time when England was both good and lucky and we lost in the semi-finals for the Germans, but I thought we were probably the best team in the World Cup. And just uh, that time of life, that England team and that performance was uh, a month that I'll never forget. Nice. Um Favourite ever kit? Favourite ever kit is also England related. It would be the 1982 England kit made by Admiral. Not my favourite because of the material, but my favourite because of the design. It was with the red and blue shoulders. Right. Um, I would I would call it the Kevin Keegan slash Ray Wilkins era England kit. Yeah, when I see that kit, I think of Kevin Keegan instantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's just always available on the retro stores. Definitely mm -hmm. a fan favourite. And then last question, uh, best player ever seen live? So I think the best player I've ever seen live would be Mr. Messi. Um, got, was fortunate enough to watch him in the um, final where they lost to Chile, um, Copa America, um, Argentina. But he was uh, not on his best that day, but the best player I've seen live. Um Although I'm going to give a, a, a mention, a throwback mention also to Mr. Glenn Hoddle, who uh, was one of my era growing up, and I got I was lucky enough to watch him at Spurs a few times. And and uh, anyone who saw Glenn Hoddle play live will be uh, no no surprise that I've picked him as my backup. Very good, and that wraps it up the first ever five not so quick fire questions to our guest. There we go, the debut. Um, brilliant. No, good start. Um, I think what we do is we kind of take a look at each of our top five. I know, Jack, we've been speaking this week and I've, I found it pretty hard figuring out my top five. I think we're all going to have probably the same number one. And I think if you don't have this person as number one, then you might be joining Stevie Wonder. Um, but for me, my top five is uh, a little bit risky, but we'll see what you guys have got. As a guest, Senor Broadbent, would you like to go first of your top five current Premier League players? I'm absolutely fine going first, um, but I, I feel like it should be the hosts who lead off. But 
Okay, I, I will be I'll be daring and, and take a risky one here and say number one I have I have Harland. Um I think he'd be he'd compete for that number one spot in any generation of the Premier League or even prior. And I think his numbers will stay high, especially playing in that Man City team year after year. And eventually I wouldn't be surprised if he as long as he stays in the Premier League long enough, he uh becomes a he takes that goal scoring record for the Premier League. That's the big question, though. Is he going to stay here long enough? I don't see it happening. I don't think he will either. Um, but I do agree with you, Jack. I have uh, Haaland as a clear number one. Um, but I think the fact that numbers two through five are a lot harder to find speaks to the lack of quality at the number nine position right now in the Premier League. Whereas in previous years, you could have you could have had three, four, five real strong contenders this year, there's a clear one and everyone else is streets behind. Yeah, no, I think uh, he's unstoppable, right? I mean, people, when he first came in, everyone was saying, oh, but he might pick up an injury and that. I was kind of looking at some stats and I was looking at the Man City team and 36 goals last year. It was incredible. And last year, it was one goal every 77 minutes. Um, and he was only touching the ball per game 24 times as well. 24 touches. I think that's one of the things that, that separates him from everyone else too. And maybe to our point, there's a lack of those number nines is his job is to score goals. His job isn't to combine, his job isn't you know, to link up with midfield. His, his job is to put the ball in the back of the net, which is, you know, a, an old fashioned number nine in some in some respects. And to Brody's point, my number two is actually his backup, if you like, is Alvarez. I think he's the second best striker in the league. I actually have him on my list as well. I don't put him as number two, but he is in my top five. So I haven't got him in my top five. I've got him in kind of my uh, my potential top five. Um, I do think you are right, Jack, though, in thinking that he's a very good striker. I just don't think he's in the top five. I think, I don't know, I, is he one of those, is he going to be similar to Jesus in terms of he needs to leave City to be kind of recognised as a main player? Uh, with Haaland being there, is he kind of banking on Haaland maybe leaving in a couple of years and taking over? Uh, possibly, but I think look how hard Pep Guardiola is trying to get him in the team. You know, if you look at the start of the season, he's playing, he is scoring goals. The World Cup he had as well. You know, I'm not saying he's going to score more goals than other people on the list or that he's going to play more matches, but in terms of who's the best player, I think he is the second best in the league. What do you guys have? So second, I've got the player that's currently banned, Ivan Tony. Um, I know obviously he's banned at the moment. He'll be back in January, but for me, he's a complete forward. He's big, he's strong, he can score a goal with his feet, with his head. His penalty ratio is unbelievable. Um, I've got Ivan Tony as number two, and I think he. Uh, this is his last year at Brentford. I think he, he'll get picked up by a bigger team. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with Tony. I actually have him as three on my list. Um, but I do want to just come back to Jack's point about backups. And I was actually looking at uh, four names that could have made the list. Only one made my list, um, and all four I would consider as backup number nines on top four teams. Which makes me think uh, there's a shortage of nines in the league, but uh, four teams have two good ones. And those backups would be Alvarez at City, as Jack mentioned, 
uh, Gakpo at Liverpool, Nketiah at Arsenal and Callum Wilson at Newcastle, all of whom would probably be second choice number nines, but all of whom would be probably close to this top five, which is interesting because it makes me think those top four teams are hoarding, whereas uh, the uh, rest of the league is struggling. Yeah, I think you look at Nketiah at the moment, right? He started, but then Jesus came off the bench, did score. I know Nketiah got that England call up, um, but I think, like you said, he's going to end up being the backup to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think it seems like it's been kind of 50-50 between Wilson and Isaac, but he seems, Eddie Howe seems to be leaning more towards Isaac, doesn't he? Um, But I kind of see that as if Wilson goes and bags a couple of goals, then he's starting the next game potentially, but Again, I think he's. You look at the price tags as well. I think that comes into it. He's that was a hefty, uh, a hefty figure, and Wilson was kind of cheaper. That kind of plays into it, maybe from a, a pressure point of view. I, Who's I, your I, number I, two, brother? My, I was going to say my number two is actually Isaac, um, and I think he is. I, I still think we haven't seen everything from him yet. I, I do think he is. Uh, an archetypal number nine. Um, I think he's maybe got something the typical nine doesn't have, which is a little bit of pace as well. Um, but I think his range of finishing is exceptional. I think his uh, disguise is brilliant. And uh, I think we're going to see a, a whole lot more from him. And maybe that's partially down to Wilson pushing him all the way. And he's young yeah. as well. He is. Very yeah, I, don't, I don't know what archetypal number, what that word means, but... I do have him as my number three on my list as well. It was very close between him and Alvarez. I think for me, Alvarez's form for his country probably pushed him to number two spot above Isak. But I think Isak, even I think in the last game, he, he got moved out to left wing at one point and he's still Newcastle's best player and biggest threat going forward. So, yeah. I maybe have pushed Alvarez down the list unfairly because he is also a versatile player and he's you know, playing in that Man City team and and he's dropping into that second row of three players behind the nine and he's he looks equally as effective. So maybe I've punished Alvarez by putting him in fourth spot when uh, he maybe could have squeezed up higher. But I have Haaland, Isak, Tony, then Alvarez. So, Brody, your, go through your one to four so far. Haaland, Isak, even Tony and Alvarez. All right, so me and you have got Tony and uh, Isaac flipped around. Like, I've got him in the second and Isaac in third. Jack, what's your one to four so far? So I have Haaland, like everyone else. Alvarez, I have at two. Isaac at three, but I'm not against Brody's opinion of switching those two. And then my number four is actually Darwin Nunes, who I think is only kind of, we've only really seen the very, very start of, I think, what he can be. I think he's just very powerful pace, see, you can you know sniff out a chance. He's shown that he can start turning those chances into goals. Last season, you know, his finishing let him down. It seemed like he hit the post or crossbar every week. Um, but I think in the next couple of years, he's really going to push on, if not this season. Um, and I think to Gary Neville's point he made after the Liverpool game, like you would not want to mark him. No, oh, he see, he seems impossible to mark. He's all over the place. He's he's almost like that that Luis Suarez type of character. Like he's almost like got a bit of a nasty edge about him. Like he's he's like bony, and you wouldn't want to mark him. And he's going to be all over you. Uh, but wow, 
the two finishes he had against Newcastle last week, unbelievable. I thought, like, obviously, them playing a player down and then all of a sudden they've turned it on their head and won the game. The the one that he finished from right on the corner of the box and drilled it across, like, he had no right score in that. And, yeah. But in that same game, I think he did miss an absolute pearl at the back post that he, he hit to the side. So, you are going to... I think you are going to get that at the moment. Um but again, he's only 24 as well. So give it maybe this season, maybe next season he's contending. Yeah, I mean, to like we keep mentioning, though, the fact that we're putting someone, or I'm putting someone in fourth spot who we're also saying isn't a great finisher kind of uh, sums up our point about maybe a lack of top-class strikers. I, th- I think that's you've put that very, very well, Jack. And uh, for me, I had four contenders for the number five spot, of which Darwin Nunes was one. Um, but I couldn't put him into the fifth spot because of that lack of consistency. For me, if you're going to be a, a, a true top five, number nine, then you have to be consistent in uh, finishing and scoring goals. And I would agree with you, Stu, that Darwin Nunes has all the tools and I think he's he's ridiculously quick with it. Um, but he's not consistent yet. And I, I feel like he's maybe just a little bit immature as a player. And when he gets that maturity, I think he's nailed on for this top five. But I think he's probably two years away from being in there. Yeah, no, I think I, I think we're like I certainly struggled to really put this list together. As soon as I wrote it down, I had Haaland, and it took me a long time to come up with second through all the way to, to fifth. And I think we're talking about strikers here that might almost be on a separate list, right, of a potential list of they could do it, but whereas Haaland is, he is doing it. But I think, and I think he is the only strike in the Premier League that is doing it day in, day out. Whereas I look back at watching United from the late nineties, early two thousands. At one point, you had Teddy Sheringham, Andy Cole, uh, Dwight York, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, four quality strikers in one team, and that was when. You had the likes of like even like Henri coming on the scene then, and you had all of Alan Shearer. You had all of these great number nines. Do we think it's maybe a case of as time has gone on, the game has evolved, right? Obviously, the shape, the styles have changed. So maybe the traditional number nine doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, and to that to that point, my my number five isn't really a traditional number nine at all. Really, it's it's Jesus who is. You know, he's an attacking player. I don't know how you would describe him, but I wouldn't call him a number nine. But I think your your point is is really good there, Stu, because I think the game has evolved maybe away from the classic number nine. You know, you talk about that Man United team, they always played two up front. So to have, so to have four strikers wasn't ridiculous, you know, because two of them were playing at any one time. Um, I think the the game did evolve, has evolved, and you can look at someone like Haaland's predecessor at Man City, Aguero. He he became a number nine that wasn't a number nine. He dropped deep, he, you know, and he changed the game. But I think, I think the game is evolving back towards, you know, the big number nine, the target man, the goal scorer, a little bit now, uh, which makes me think our sort of future top five here are going to be very valuable very quickly. Um, I actually happen to agree with you jack on my number five so the four guys i had who were in contention for that five spot were nunez and ferguson at brighton who again i think is probably just a little bit away from it right now but is again showing form 
Um, the, the one who just missed out was Ollie Watkins at Villa. Um, and the one I put in at number five was, uh, was Jesus as well. My only gripe against Ollie Watkins is he's so inconsistent, right? Like he yeah. won't score for many weeks, pops up with a few goals. You get him in your fantasy team and then he flops the next week. Um, I looked at Ollie Watkins, but for me, again, he's similar, right, to all of those strikers that can play across the front three. But I think I go back to your point, right? When Man United were dominant in the early 2090s, it was 4-4-2. But then when Mourinho started coming in, he kind of almost changed it, right, to a 4-3-3. And you had inside forwards and you had people like Arjun Robin coming in and cutting in and whipping it in and getting goals like that. And it took away from that number nine. Like you could easily put in this top five like a Mo Salah, but he's not a number nine. He's going to be Liverpool's top goal scorer, but he's not a number nine. And I think you're right, right, in saying the shape has changed. So goals now are being shared. And I looked at it. For example, Arsenal last year, their top goal scorers was Martinelli and Odegaard on 15 goals each. Saka finished in at 14 and Jesus was 11. I know he missed a run of games, but then you're looking at Arsenal, who had a very good season last year and just missed out. Um, let me just re-emphasize that. They they did miss out. They didn't win it. Um, their midfielders are scoring the goals, and it's now a case of all teams are sharing the pot and sharing the goals. It's not solely a number nine anymore. So maybe when you're looking at that transfer market, Maybe you're not looking to sign a number nine anymore. You're just looking to sign the players behind him that can chip in with the goals. Yeah, I think an, another great example of that is Marcus Rashford at Man U, who, going back to those 90s teams, he would have probably been one of the forwards. But nowadays, he's come. He's so much more effective coming off the left. And we've seen them play him at number nine. And he, 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 he goes missing so much more, you know. And, and for that reason, Rashford didn't even come into contention on mine because I see him as a a left-sided forward rather than a nine. So do we want to uh, wrap up the, the top five by just going through our list and maybe can we come to a, an agreement on a top five? Well, yeah, well, I, the only thing I would say as well is before we said that, my number five is a little bit bold. Hmm. We haven't even mentioned him once in this podcast and I might get a little bit of hate from it. Um, but I've is, this, with- is this, are you going to say Steve Finnan? No, it's not Steve Finnan again. I do have my love for Steve Finnan, but it ain't Steve Finnan. Um, it's the the forest striker, Taiwu Onwewi or on Onwuwu. I I can't pronounce his name, and that'll be the last I say of it. But I looked at his stats: six goals in the last four games last year, and then he's just returned three goals in his last four games. So in eight games, he scored nine goals. He's a big, strong centre forward. Your, your, your criteria for a striker, the first two things are big and the second thing is strong before mm-hmm. you look at anything else. If, right. he does, if, he does that, if he does that for 40 games, then he can be in this top five list. But after eight games, he's not getting in. And after, you know, he scored some goals. Yes, I'll give you that. But have a look at how many chances have been created for him. I think you need to, when you come to your stats, you need to look at percentage, percentage of chances finished, which... You know, again, our boy Harland is going to lead the lead the lead with, but uh, and Yewo, as he's pronounced, is uh, for me <laughs> desperately poor at that. But yeah, there think, is the old think... adage, the old adage of you've got to kind of be there to get the chances, right? Like at least you're in there getting the chances to score the goals. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather that than a striker who never looks like scoring a goal. All I'm saying is just wait. 
he will be a player, I think. He plays for Forest. He ain't getting that many chances. You stick him in you stick him in Tottenham's team at the moment, you're talking 15, 20 goals, guaranteed. No chance. So you would be happy with him becoming Manchester United's number nine? Well, we got Hoyland. I said Tottenham for a reason. I don't really like Tottenham, so we'll give him to Tottenham just in case he does fail. So but go through again, your top th- five. Go through your top five. Well, I think well, top, top five. Four, isn't it? Well, yeah. Harland, Ivan Tony, Isaac, Nunez, Onwewu. Okay, and I went Harland, Alvarez, Isaac, Nunez, Jesus. And I went with Harland, Isaac, Tony, Alvarez, Jesus. So I think the four in agreement, right? It's Harland, Tony, Isaac, and Nunez. It's just about finding that fifth. Is it Alvarez? Is it Jesus? We're not agreeing on Nunez. Well, two of us have said Nunez. Oh, sorry. Did you have him in yours, Jack? I had him in mine. And Jack had I got him as number four. But also me and Brody have said uh, Jesus. And neither of us gone for a, top, a Nottingham Forest striker. So no, he's not in. Let's wow. go Nunez five. Jesus four. Alvarez three. Isak two. Harland one. Even Tony misses out? Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Harlan, number one. Correct. Are we in agreement, Isaac, number two, then? Yes. I need I'm one. Good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. He's my number two, yeah. Three, I'm fighting for Ivan Tony. He's my number three, too. Um... Well, it's two versus one here. You haven't got a chance. So, Ivan Tony I'll accept it if Alvarez. I'll accept it as long as Alvarez is four. All right. Because Alvarez... he is the second best striker in the league. All right. Alvarez, number four, the World Cup winner. Harlan mm-hmm. Shadow. And then five, we're saying Jesus? Or Nunes? So. You can go either way. If you pick Jesus, though, then our top five is also my top five. So bear that in mind. All I'm going to say, you have to weigh it up, right? Do you want an injured player or somebody that's going to headbutt somebody and get sent off and miss five games? So you're who, going to be missing games regardless, but what do you all want? Right. If you, who would you rather mark, Jesus or Nunes? I'd rather mark Jesus. Correct. Everybody would. So, so it's, it's got to be Nunes in. Yep. Yeah. So what we're saying is we've actually found a new brain of the podcast because Brody's one to five is the one that we've just agreed on. No, no, I had Jesus at five, but... But Jack summed it up beautifully by saying, "Who would you rather mark?" And uh, what was that, Stu? So, so I'll give you, I'll give you Nunes at five. Well, here's one as well, just to kind of look at the the strikers at the moment. I looked at the the in favour stat at the moment, the famous XG, the expected goals stat. Um, so, according to Opta's uh, website, Haaland is four point seven two. The next one on there. Was and we haven't actually mentioned him that the new player at Chelsea, Jackson Nicholas Jackson, he was at 3.71. Um, Odson Edward at Crystal Palace was 3.03, and then Alvarez was 2.3. So you can just see right that huge drop off from Haaland, and it goes to what we were saying right, Haaland is the striker, he's doing it week in, week out, and then the rest of the players are way off the pace of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know at the end we'll probably we can look into the future and maybe put our future top five, maybe what might be in the future. And Jackson, I think for me, would be up there because I think he does have a bright future. But going back to the past, I actually looked at groups of strikers every five years, starting from '95 onwards. Because I know Stu, me, and you have said for a few times now about, and I think this proves it. There's a lack of top quality strikers compared to previous years. So I'll read you some 
names off. I don't know what their XG was in 1995, but you had Shearer, Robbie Fowler, Les Ferdinand, Stan Collymore, Andy Cole, Jürgen Klinsmann, Matt Letizier, Teddy Sherngram, Ian Wright. Five years later, 99 season, Hasselbank, Owen, York, Anelka, Cole, Shearer, Fowler, Solskjaer. Five years later, 2005, you had on what a year this was. Thierry Henry, Rude Van Nistelrooy, Wayne Rooney, Robbie Keane, Didier Drogba, and Yakubu. Wow. That was a that was probably the Hang on, read, the read out read out that list again from 05. 05 or 06 season. Thierry Henry won the golden boot. Second place was Van Nistelrooy, Rooney, Robbie Keane, probably just before his begin to Milan move, I'm guessing, or maybe just after. Didier Drogba and Yakubu. So for me, like I look at Haaland now, Haaland's only moving out Robbie Keane and Yakubu for me. Well, I think it's unfair to judge him right now. By the end of his career, you could maybe compare him to Henri Van Nistelrooy Rooney, but, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> 2010, Berbatov, Tevez, Van Persie, Carol, Coit, Darren Bent, maybe a bit of a downer. And then 2015, Kane, Aguero, Vardy, Lukaku, Giroud and Defoe. And um, to Brody's point earlier on, a lot of those big names that you think of the top strikers are in those top teams. But you also have some in those, like, you know, you have a Yakubu, you have a Matt Letizia, um, you have a Jamie Vardy scoring loads of goals at Leicester. Um, Darren Bent scored 17 goals that year, I think, in, in uh, 2010-11 season. So you always had these other strikers in those lower middle clubs too that were, were good players as well. Yeah, I, th- I think if you look at when you first started that list all the way to 2015, that list is almost like going slightly down, right, from the elite level. But is that us saying as well that are we being kind of biased towards the players that we watch growing up as like kids? Whereas you have that kind of attachment to them. Like I remember like watching a player and going out in the backyard and almost like trying to replicate that. Whereas now we don't have that, that relationship with the players. So we almost see it as, oh, well, they're not as good as the players back there. And it's like the old saying of, ah, oh, the football in my day was much better than what it is now. Yeah, there's definitely a chance that we're going to go, oh, back in my day, or back when I was a kid, like we had this and that and there's definitely that side of it, but when you look at the 05 06 season, Thierry Henry, Van Nistelrooy, Rooney, Robbie Keane, Drogba, you know, like you can't get past the names there and the quality there. Mm-hmm. And does that, and, and to that point, too, like what, what position when you're a kid now and you're watching soccer, what position do you want to play? You know, do you want to be a number nine or is it that you want to be a number 10 or do you want to be when you know Messi on the left wing or 10? Do you want to be Ronaldo out wide? Do you want to? be Mo Salah playing right wing at Liverpool. How many kids are going to grow up and want to be a number nine? Well, I think I think you make a good point there, Jack, because <laughs> over the last few years, Harry Kane has been sort of celebrated as one of the best number nines around. Um, but you look at, I, I would argue, the better players in the England team are Saka, Rice, Bellingham, who none of whom play in that position. And, and I think your lists that you just gave us there there was a clear drop-off after 2010 um, and you see the game took a, took, a, took a bit of a left turn at that point because those, I would argue that the, that the best number nines the Premier League has ever seen, which I would list as Shearer, Henri, Drogba, Rooney, Van Nisselrooy, all came before that 
Um, and to Stu's point, that wasn't my heyday of when I was a lad, because that was well after I was a lad. But still, I think that was the that was the sort of golden golden era of nines. But I also think that the next golden era of nines is probably about five years away from coming. So, so why do you think that is? Why do you think there was there has been that drop off? I think there was just a, you know, let's call it the pep effect, the the the, the sort of return to possession based football and tiki taka and you know, constant ball movement, um, which was, let's call it less direct, which meant the nines were dropping a little bit deeper. The importance of the 10, the importance of the wingers definitely changed the way football looked. And to Stu's point earlier, it meant goals were coming from four or five different positions, not just one or two. Yeah, and I think when you look at that point, you said right about the pep effect when when um, Thierry Henry went over to Barcelona, and he was playing on the left-hand side. And you look at, well, no, Thierry Henry should be at the furthest end of the pitch scoring the goals. But to how Pep's style of play, it was, no, get out on the left-hand side, stay on the touchline and we'll get you the ball in and we'll create from there. I think you can even look further back like that. What I mentioned earlier, right? You had the, the Mourinho effect and the Pep effect and almost then like the, the Klopp effect. Like you look at Klopp and he's relentless pressing from the front. Would you have Alan Shearer chasing down for 90 minutes? You probably wouldn't, right? And you see, my biggest frustration at the moment is when I watch strikers all the way out on the right-hand side or the left-hand side, and then we win the ball and you're looking to play into the box or into the six-yard box, and there's no one in there. A striker is going to score goals by staying in there. But like you look at, for example, Rashford in the start of the season being not forced to, but being made to play as a nine when he's not a nine. Every time he had the ball, he was outside the box. And I think I go back and being a United fan, I look at Ruud van Nistelrooy. I think he only scored in his career one goal from outside the box. Every one of his goals was from inside the box and that that poacher, right? All of these strikers that we speak about almost like poachers getting on the end of these these crosses and finishing. Um, I think you might have to look as well like the rules. Like you look at the how the offside rule has changed, right? So you look at now how much technology is involved in really the the attacker doesn't have an advantage anymore whereas in the 90s early 2000s the advantage was towards the attacker in scoring goals so you had like those poachers playing on the shoulder and playing on the edge whereas almost uh an original number nine is now turned into almost a false nine and dropping off to get it into feet mm-hmm. i think the biggest factor is is the the change in formations and how unfashionable 442 became I mean, the obvious reason is you have less strikers on the field rather than having Cole and York up there. You just have one striker up the field. So just in terms of sheer less numbers of strikers playing, then also it opens up that number 10 position because, you know, in those in the old way of playing four four two, those two central midfielders had to defend and attack and go box to box and do everything. There was no, um, you know, number six and the number 10. It was both midfielders had to do both sides of the game. And then this number 10 position became very attractive, I think, to players who were creative and attacking-minded to, oh, I can be this a creative attacking midfielder and maybe not have to get in the trenches and do the dirty work like the old way of being a central midfielder might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think you found your better players all of a sudden becoming number 10s and not being thrown up front to become the striker. Certainly the more creative ones. But I think we maybe are doing some of these number nines a little bit of an injustice by talking about that Ruud van Nisselrooy who, 
who did all of his work in the box. For me, the the best number nines, you know, for and if we're talking Premier League, for me that's Shearer and Henri. Um, the best number nines had a complete range of finishing. You know what I mean? They weren't they weren't just scoring goals in and around that 12, 12 yards out. Um, they were knocking in bangers from outside the box, headers, you know, touch finishes and, and poachers goals as well. And uh, for me, a, a truly, you know, if we want to define what makes a great number nine, they have to be able to do it all. And and maybe that's one area where Haaland doesn't meet that meet that grade, but uh, there's plenty of time for him to grow into that. Yeah, and no, I think... Uh... If we're looking at any flaws in Haaland, I think we really are nitpicking. But like you said, that the the game has changed, the styles have changed, the way of playing has changed. I mean, it used to be right, get it up and play direct, get it up to the striker. Now you're seeing maybe more of a slow approach, so maybe less goals are then creeping in. Um, but I think going back to your point, you said about like rude compared to Haaland, it, it's almost like a a different game, so to speak. It's uh, you look and you look at then he's competing, and there was many teams competing for that title, so there was almost maybe a little bit of pressure on it to score goals every week. Whereas Haaland, I don't know if Haaland even feels pressure anymore. Um, yeah, but it's not like Van Nistelrooy stood in the box and just tapped him in, right? Like he, right, you know, yeah. there's that one goal where he picked the ball up on the halfway line. I can't remember who it was against and dribbled through the whole team and scored. And it's like if that was Ronaldo, if that was Messi, that's talked about for ten years. But everyone just kind of goes, oh, it's Van Nistelrooy, pokes it in from inside the box. It's like, and this hold-up play, the way around the channels, back-to-goal play. Um, for me, Van Nistelrooy is in that same bracket as, uh, you know, if I made my top five of all time, I don't know if he'd be in it, but he's certainly in the conversation with like an Henri, a Rooney, a Shearer. It's a shame in a way that he didn't play longer in the Premier League. Correct. And, I, and, and ultimately, I think that may be Haaland's downfall is... You know, obviously, Alan Shearer's record is out there to be to be got at, and we all thought Kane was going to challenge it, but uh, he's moved on, and I think that will be the case with Haaland as well. I think we'll see a lot of good work from him, but ultimately, I think we'll see him probably end up playing in Spain at some point, maybe Italy as well. Um, so I, I don't think he will uh, challenge Shearer's record, which for me will go un, unbroken for a good long while. I'm sure Shearer will be waiting in his car, ready to pick Harland up and take him to the airport when that move does come, just so he can mm. keep his. Uh... But why is that the record? Why is why is Shearer's? Why does everyone talk about Shearer's Premier League record and not the record of just most top division goals in England? So you're saying, like, as in, like, why does the Premier League, because it's the Premier League, define all? Yeah. Why does the why did football start with the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, you're right, right, in terms of. Football didn't start when the Premier League started. Football started long before that. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just a case of ignorance, maybe, from us younger folk. I think it's I think it's to do with the fact that TV sells, you know, and, and uh, in 92, when the Premier League came around, it was a nice natural break. And then we could start talking about uh, new records and a new era which is obviously, you know, it's fashionable, it sells on TV and it's been marketed very well. Um, my era obviously goes back way before the Premier League, but um, for me still, I, I've not seen a better goal scorer than Alan Shearer in the, uh, on, on the UK scene, whether it's Premier League or Division One in the old days. 
Well, I think I think to kind of wrap this all up, we we're kind of in agreement that there is a shortage of strikers of true number nines. But on the flip side of that, I do think there is some players coming through. I would like to maybe just spend a few minutes talking about like the potential players that we see maybe coming. If we were to do this list in three or four years' time, um, like I think, like what you said, Jack, about Alvarez, he could potentially be the number one in a couple of years' time, right? I think if Haaland moves on, then maybe that's why Pep's trying so hard to get him games and get him in the team to grow him and also to keep him happy and keep him at the club because he's aware that at some point Haaland does move on, although I don't think that's going to be until maybe three or four years. I think he probably wants his best years in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, at the same time, I don't see Alvarez staying in the Premier League at Man City for the rest of his career. Um, I think there's probably more exciting um, prospects out there. Ferguson, obviously, especially coming off last weekend's hat-trick, um, is, is something to be excited about. And the one I mentioned earlier too is Jackson at Chelsea. Yeah, I think the thing with the thing with with Ferguson is, yeah, I know he got the hat trick last weekend. It's now is he scoring a hat trick every eight nine games or scoring goals every eight nine games, or is he chipping in with one or two goals every couple of games? But it, for me, it was the whole the, the whole performance, the whole performance. If you watch the game, it wasn't that he scored three goals. It's obviously brilliant, but his whole performance is back to play. He's back to goal play, holding the ball up, running at defenders. Just seemed like unbelievably confident for someone his age as well on the ball. I was going to say, as an eighteen-year-old, he's definitely displayed uh, a lot of talent there. Um, the other one for me as well is Enketia. Like I know he's been called up to the England squad. I don't know if Arsenal's the right place for him. Whether uh, maybe a move to a a team where he's going to be the main man kind of brings the the best out of him. Yeah, I like him. I, you know, I think we've also we've not talked about Hoyland at all, who is obviously young, unproven, and he's in a great club that needs a number nine. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. The other name that we've not talked about yet, which is one I'm very excited about seeing, is Nkunku at uh, Chelsea, who is another one of those players who could develop into a one of those wide forwards or could develop into a number nine. But I honestly think he, for me, what I've seen of him, he looks more exciting than Jackson. And I think could be, could be on the scene in the Premier League a lot longer as well. I think he's perfectly suited to that environment and he would probably be in my uh, top five of ones to watch. Yeah. uh, My only point with Hoyland was going to be that, um, like you said there, he's going to have a lot of opportunity, I think, at Manchester United to grow and to prove himself. I think the reason he's not talked about as much as the others is he's just so unknown. I just don't think we've seen enough to really have a... Or at least I haven't seen enough to really give a, any type of opinion, I think. I did like his cameo when he did come on uh, against Arsenal. Like He showed he wanted to fight for it. Um, and he almost had that that nastiness that kind of like we spoke about Nunes and Haaland going after the ball. But yeah, I, I don't want to jinx anything with United and, and Hoyland. I would love him to turn out to be a fantastic player. But saying that Haaland's come out and rated him as well. He's come out in the media and said that he's looked and watched Hoyland's career and he's impressed. Um, but who knows? I, I would love him to be. Um, 
But again, you, you just never know. And I think when you're spending that much money on a young player, that can also creep in of the pressure of it. Uh, we've seen it before with other players. In, in all positions, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the list of strikers coming through is getting better. When you mentioned there about Nkunku at Chelsea, I completely forgot about him. Obviously, if you listened to the last episode, I kind of slated Chelsea um, and said about how many players they've signed. I completely forgot they even had him. Uh, he's injured at the moment, though, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, six weeks out with his knee. So uh, when he comes back, he'll probably be coming back looking to prove a point. And it's going to be tough to get in that team. But I think once he does, I, he's, I see him as a, as a genuine contender. Yeah, he could be one that might take a little bit of time, though. Uh, but... This is the the one argument that kind of grinds on my nerves a little bit is, oh, when a player comes from a foreign league, they need time to adapt. Haaland didn't. Haaland got it straight away. If you're a good enough player, you can get in and go. I know you have to give players time and whatever it is, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of look over that rule and say, no, if you're good enough, you're scoring a goal in your next game. Like if Hoyland is the player that he's going to be, I think the next game is against... Uh, maybe Brighton, I think it is, you go and score goals. You go and get a goal in that game and prove to everyone, yeah, I'm here. I'm here to stay. And I think you look at our our list of top five Premier League best evers, they didn't take much time to adapt. You know, obviously Shearer grew up in the league, but you've got Henri, Drogba, Rooney, Ruud van Nistelrooy all hit the ground running, you know. Um, and I would argue Haaland has done that as well. Yeah, the only thing with Haaland is it helps when you got, you know, Bernardo Silva, Mares, Foden, putting it on the plate for you as well. Um, but yeah, may, maybe maybe the future's brighter for number nines. Maybe, like you say, Howland's kind of like leading the next generation of strikers and it's going to be a little bit more promising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think right now we could agree that there is a, a shortage of true number nines, but the future does look promising. Um Maybe on a future podcast, we look at the the best eleven of of future players coming up. I know the Ballon d'Or is is coming up at, soon, and they've spoken about the the award for the young player. Um, I think uh, I think the future is is bright for the strikers. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you very much to to Brawley for coming on. We we hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, maybe we can get you on a, a future one as well. Yeah, no, would would be happy to come back. Um, interested to hear your your before we close out your uh your your best ever number nines. Um, maybe maybe your top one or two favorite ever number nines. Not Premier League, not current. Uh, not Premier current. League, not current. That's a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna lean towards Thierry Henry. I just love watching him play and. I think he is unbelievable. Uh, for me, if I'm going to go Spitfire, I'm going to go quick. I'm going Henri, Lewandowski, and Wayne Rooney. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think for me, it's two. It's probably players that we've in our lifetime. The other one I would put in there would be Raúl at Real Madrid. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa! I've just had an absolute one. R nine, Ronaldo's yeah. got to be in there. How did yeah. I not think of Ronaldo? Literally his name. So I think I think you you definitely favour your generation here, Jack. To your point, yeah. And, and my my top five would definitely be for me the best to ever play the position is Ronaldo nine R nine. Um, 
literally had everything. We won't see another like him. Um, second, I would probably put Gerd Muller, who, uh, you know, we're going way back there. Um, Van Basten, Shearer and Henri would probably be my top five ever. So I reckon in in favour of saying R9 is the best ever, if this episode gets more than a thousand views, I reckon Jack does his hair like 2002 Ronaldo with the little tuff at the front. What are you saying, I mean, Jack? I'm definitely in agreement there. Yeah, I don't know if I've got enough hair at the front to do that. He's dropping out. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that, but it would probably be halfway in. <laughs> so what we're saying is we were kind of spoiled as kids, as uh, the strikers that we had, but now I guess if kids now have an abundance of midfielders or tend whatever it is um it's just a generational thing but yeah the first world cup i remember watching as a kid is 1998 i think remember who the golden boot winner was in 1998 france 98 world cup this is a trivia question because i i'm stumped i'm pretty sure it was david suka croatia davor suka and then davor and then he later came to arsenal i think Correct, you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So right. we're saying R nine best ever number nine. If you disagree, let us know. I, I'm I'm not having it if you disagree. Yeah, come, come find us. Drop us an email, pitchsidepersspectivepodcast at gmail dot com. If you think there is a better striker than R nine, um, but Brody, from myself and Jack, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, to everyone at home. Please like, subscribe and follow the channel. Um, the more we can get it going, the more guests we can bring on. And we're looking forward to maybe bringing on more guests in the future. Um, but for me, thank you very much. Um, I hope you enjoy your, the rest of your weekend. Jack, any last words? No, thanks, Brody, for joining us. Great knowledge and input and also a great pronunciation of some of those names there to help Stu out. Um, just just showing him how that part's done. Um definitely a good person to be our, our first ever guest on this historic moment for the podcast pleasure to be here really enjoyed it gents <laughs>